0: The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. heart goes out to the guy who wakes up every day like clockwork at 5 a.m. because today it was (laughs) 4. I am not that guy. (laughs) Um, As my alarm went off this morning, I found myself very thankful that the phone is smart enough to do the daylight savings for me. (laughs) So I hope that Your morning has been blessed, that that extra hour either was refreshing in sleep or that you had that moment just to have peace in the house. I got a text from my wife and she's like, the kids are asleep, the dogs are laying down, breakfast is on the table, music is on, I love this house right now. She's just like, this is good. So I pray that you had some of that this morning. We're in Revelation chapter 15 today. This is a prelude to the bull judgments, and it's a hard chapter. We've gone through some hard chapters, but we're running fast now to the very end when Jesus will return, and we're going to see the the setup for the bulls. So there's a series of judgments. If you're not familiar with Revelation, if you're just kind of tuning in, there was uh, seven judgments early on, and we looked at those, the sealed judgments, where the lamb is breaking the scroll seal by seal, and judgments were being poured out. And all the while, getting the world's attention, getting people's attention, and there was the gospel being proclaimed, and he's calling people to repentance and calling people back, and yet their hearts are hardened. And we read it several different places. They do not repent. They do not come back to the Lord. So after the seven seals... We get to seven trumpets. And so more judgments are being poured out on the earth by God. And again, it is an act of great mercy. Judgment is being poured out on sin and rebellion. But at the same time, he's calling people back. And we talked about the 144,000 witnesses who were called by God, 12,000 of each tribe sealed by God, his name put on their head. And they are preaching the gospel to the world. And many are coming to faith, but yet we read, even through the trumpets, many refuse to repent. Their hearts are hard, and they shake their fist at God, and they don't want to come back. Then we had this break, and we saw a lot of different things happening, and John kind of backs up and kind of gives us this picture of who's involved and what's going on. And now we're jumping back into the last of the judgments Today. And so what we're going to see is a picture of, of this prelude of, of what is about to happen and the angels that are about to pour out these judgments and what is happening in heaven and what is going on. And, and when we get to next week, when we get to actually reading about the plagues that are poured out on the earth, let me just steal yourself because they are horrendous. And we have to realize that sin against holy, 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 holy God deserves holy wrath. And so it's, we, we see this and it's like, whew, this isn't like, this isn't like lovey Jesus. Like this is hard. This is, but this is God. This is who he is. he is. He is fully loving and full of grace and full of kindness and full of mercy and yet his judgments are right and true and we have to, Reconcile all of this. What we take away is, at the end today is that we're going to see that our God is full of grace and mercy and that we have a time of favor. We're living in the time of favor today that we have opportunities to come and be reconciled and be with him. We have opportunities to tell others about the grace of Jesus, about the love of Jesus, that he doesn't want anyone to perish in this way, but they go this way by choosing rebellion and sin over God. And so if you have your Bibles, open them to Revelation chapter 15. And I'll read these eight verses. It's not very long. I'll read these eight verses, and we'll go through. Starting in verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what happened to be, I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened, and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels, with the seven plagues clothed in pure, bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues The seven angels were finished. Pray with me, if you will. Father, we ask that as we look at this chapter, you would encourage your people. The judgment is coming. The victory is secure. In Christ, all things will be made new. But Father, this is hard to think of people perishing to think of those who will have to endure the wrath of god father we don't want anyone to go through this so help us to be to be mindful of those around us today show us of what is to come and and get us ready for the testimony that is to be spoken this afternoon. Use this chapter, God, to to motivate your bride, to awaken her from just the rhythms of life and move her into the position of the harvest field, working in the harvest. Father, this is for your glory. So we ask that you would teach us as we go through this chapter. In Jesus' name, amen. John describes here in chapter 15 the judgment again, and he's doing it in more detail. Now, this isn't uncommon. It's it's pretty common with prophecy. We've seen it come back around time and time again. It's like you're kind of coming back and seeing this. We talked about it in apocalyptic literature. But it's also very common when you look at literature from this from this era and from this time period in this region of the world that, that you would see this kind of unfolding uh, per se. So we see something like this like in, in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. A lot of people like to say, oh, you can't believe the Bible. Like 1 and 2 don't even match and they don't work together. So you have to understand that it was written in this culture and in this way, so you have Genesis chapter 1 where God creates, and Genesis chapter 2 is like coming back around and giving different details and giving it again. So John is doing the same thing here with this, with this chapter. He's like, okay, we've talked about the judgments, and he's like, now let's come back around and let's look at it again with more detail. So it says here in the first verse, he says, then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing. I was reading that, I was like, how many amazing signs have we already seen? You know it's I kind of felt like John's got to be like a little kid at you know like at the state fair or at the carnival or whatever like every time he turns around he's just like, "Wow, that's awesome, and he wants to go look at it, and then look at that over there, wow, that's awesome, and then you're like, Hey, what was your favorite thing at the fair today, buddy And it's like, and their mind just blows up like I have no idea. I was like, oh. and you're just like, What about this? what about this? What about this?" And they're like, yeah, that was awesome, that was awesome, that was amazing and like John's kind of the same way. He's like, I looked, and there's another amazing sign in heaven. That's our God. Like, like every time we get a glimpse of him, it's just like, oh, God's so amazing. That is so cool. That is so wonderful. That is so awesome. From the smallest things to the grandest things, every time we get a glimpse of our God, we feel what John feels here. John's seeing something that truly is. It's, it's, it's amazing, and it's great. And he says this. This sign, this next sign, has these angels coming out with these plagues in their hands. There is a sign that is spoken about in Matthew uh, chapter 24, verse 3. It says this. As he sat on the mount of olives the disciples came to him privately saying Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the close of the age Here it is This amazing sign angels coming out with judgment and Jesus is about to return at the end of it What's the sign it's, it's going to be a hard one. <laughs> it's going to be these seven plagues poured out. The, the sign of the end of the age. This is the end of Daniel's 70th year, the the, the the week here. This is the end of it. The sign is these angels coming. John says, I see this sign coming out of heaven, and these angels come, seven angels with seven plagues. Now, we talked about... Uh, In apocalyptic literature, numbers can have significance and meaning, and you got to be careful, again, putting the scriptures into the right context and understanding what you're studying and and where you are. So if you're in the book of Numbers, and they're giving you a census, and they're counting how many people, that's what that is. Like, don't be like, okay, now they gave us this number, and we have to figure out what this big number is. No, no, they're just telling you how many people were in that, Okay. But when we get into apocalyptic literature, at times there is symbolism here, and we have to try to discern what is it that he's saying. Seven angels with seven plagues coming to give the last of the judgments. It's the fullness. It's the fulfillment. It's the end. And he even tells us this. This is the, this is the fullness. At, at this, it will be finished. So these angels come. And they're coming to bring the last of God's judgment. The fullness of his judgment is about to be poured out here at the end. So these are the last. Now, people have rebelled and they have continued to rebel. And so we see that God warns, even from early on in the scriptures, he warns about rebellion and about about how... Judgment will come. Look at Leviticus 26, 21. Then if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. There's a sense where God uses the things of this world, judgment. He disciplines those he loves. He, he wants our attention. He wants the attention of the unbeliever to come and repent. He wants his children to, to follow him and walk with him. And he sometimes has to get our attention. I don't know if, if you were a, a stubborn kid. At times I could be. I think all of us could be. And your parents have to get your attention. I mean, if you're a school teacher, what's the easiest way to get attention? Like, without having to be confrontational or anything, what do teachers do nowadays? Do they, do they still do the thing where you just stand there and you just have your hand up? They used to do that. And I was like, high five. You know, like, I was that kid. Teacher's like, you're going to get it. Yeah, no, no, no. But, you know, they're like, there's like, okay, the teacher's quiet, and they're just standing there. And then, or maybe the clap thing, where they're like, and everybody like, and they clap back. You know, like, it was like really easy to get attention. But sometimes it's not so easy to get our attention, is it? Sometimes we're unruly. Sometimes we don't want to give our attention. We're, we're too enamored with the shiny toy, so to speak, with what we're doing and what we want and God says, i got to get your attention. If you're going to keep walking away from me, then i got to do something to get your attention. I think one of the the stories that, that comes to my mind where he gets Israel's attention is when they're in rebellion. And what does he do? He sends fiery serpents, vipers, into the camp. And they bite the people. And the people are dying. And he says, all you have to do is come, turn, look at the the serpent that Moses is putting on the staff, and when it's lifted up and you look in faith, you'll be healed. Why did he do that? Because they were walking contrary to him. He needed to get their attention. Did he want them to perish? No, he gave them a way to be saved. Look upon the serpent on the the stick and you'll be saved. Some of them perished because they did not look. That always gets me. I've been bit by the snake. Look at the thing and live. I ain't looking. <laughs> you come over here. Like, help me out. Just look at this thing. No. Well, you're dead. <laughs> that's, that's human nature. That's our hard heart. That's, and God's like, I, I have to get your attention. So here, this is the end. He's pouring out major wrath it's about to be poured out these judgments on the earth these are the last of the judgments and it says here that it is finished it says in verse one at the very end for with them the wrath of god is finished now this is the same word that jesus uses on the cross john 19 28 through 30 after this jesus knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scripture I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Finished. There's no more that needs to be done for salvation. It was done there at the cross. He paid the penalty. Completely satisfied the wrath of God. It is finished. Same word used here in Revelation. The the judgment to come, the last plagues, the seven bowls to be poured out. With this, the wrath will be finished. He's not going to pour out more. It's done. At the end, Jesus comes. So we see that he is saying these, these signs to get your attention, this moment to bring you back, this is the end of it. It will be finished. And so God is moving all things to its end. Verse 2, it says, And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside. It could be beside, it could be on, it could be near uh, in the Greek. So it's kind of, you could have them in different places. It says, but they're standing beside the sea of glass with harps of gold in their hands so you have the sea of glass In chapter 4 we talked about the sea of glass how it's perfectly still and it mirrored it was mirrored on the earthly tabernacle with the brass sea where they had to constantly wash and the one on earth is always disturbed it's always turned over why because man is sinful and to come into the temple into the tabernacle you had to wash you had to Constantly doing the washing and going in and in and out. And so that brassy was always turning over because man was always needing to be cleansed to go into the presence of God. But in the sanctuary of God is perfectly still because there's no washing. There's no sin. It is His holiness is there. Everything is perfect. But here we see that it is mingled with fire. So we see that... God's holiness is also mingled with his holy judgment here in this moment. It's alluding to the the perfect justice of God, the holy justice of God. We see it saying that those who are on the sea uh, are... It's referring really back to Revelation 7, 19 through 17. These are the Revelation saints. These are those who have come through. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, amen, let it be so, blessed, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. And then one of the elders addressed me, saying, neither thirst anymore the sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and god will wipe away wipe away every tear from their eyes that's who's standing there on the seat with these harps those who have come out of the tribulation who were slain for the testimony of jesus 144,000 go out proclaiming the gospel. People are coming by faith and saying yes to Jesus and being changed and transformed, being born again. And because of the testimony, they're being killed by the, by the dragon and the, and the false prophet and the Antichrist. And now they're standing on the sea of glass, mingled with fire, holding harps. It looks also very much like the fulfillment or the fullness, of what we read, Ephesians chapter five, verse 26, that he, being Christ, might sanctify her, his bride, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. He's cleansed them. He's sanctified them. He's made them made them what they are, with new life. And they're standing there worshiping, giving praise to God. Yeah, what well, looks like those who were defeated, who were slain and cast down, are actually the victors. They're standing there victorious, praising the Lamb. And so we read that they're holding harps, much like what we read about the elders in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, it says that they have harps. We also heard of the, the voice that had the, that harp sound from heaven. So you, you wonder, hey, where does this sitting on a cloud playing on harps come from? Well, verses like this. But verses like this are really different than Tom and Jerry, where Tom's sitting there like playing his harp as he's floating up into the sky. I mean, this is worship, stringed instruments and praising God, and they're there in the midst of a judgment to come. They're there in the throne room. It's, it's really an awesome scene. And so they're praising him, holding harps, and they're praising him for the judgment that is about to be delivered. And it says in verses 3 and 4, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and they sang the song of the Lamb. And they were saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the Nations." Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And so they sing this song. It's called the Song of Moses, but it's also called the Song of the Lamb. Now, there's three places in the Old Testament, Exodus 15, Psalm 90, and Deuteronomy 32, all contain songs of Moses. He, he wrote music and, he, and we have that. We have three of his songs written down. And this song of Moses and song of the lamb is another one that we have here. And what does it show us? Well, it shows us that the God of the old covenant, we were just singing about it, were we not? You are the same God. The God of the old covenant It's also the lamb of the new covenant. And, and here they praise God for all of his work, for all that he does. Like, what is the Bible about? It is the testimony of God working from the beginning to the end and how man relates to him. It, it, this, is, this is how we come to know the Lord, what he, who he is and what he's like and, and how we have relationship with him. And we see him work through history. We see him work through a people. This, this whole thing is just one Large story. They, it, sometimes you'll hear it called the meta narrative. It's the, it's the big story of God and the story of man. And so here they're saying the God of Moses, who delivered his people out of Egypt, who brought plagues and judgment, and was just and was glorified in what he was doing and how he rescues and saves, the God of Moses is also the, the God who is the Lamb who came and brought the new covenant in his blood that we all, every tribe, nation, and tongue could be reconciled. So they sing a song about his great works. They, they sing about uh, his work there, and, and it says, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just take a moment this week. Just take a moment this week and reflect on the great and amazing deeds of God in the scriptures. And then, don't just stop there, because that could just be academic. You'd be like, yeah, I remember he did this, he did this, he did this. And then, take a moment and reflect on the great, amazing deeds that the God of the Bible has done in your life. Those things, same God, same God, he's working, He's working in Scripture, and we see great and amazing things, and He's working in your life, in my life, and He does great and amazing things. And so they praise Him for it, for His works. They praise Him for His ways. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Just and true. When we reflect back on God and how he moves and how he works, we have to see that it is right. It is good. And very often, we see God work in our life, and it's not the way we wanted it to be, but then we reflect back. You know, we're looking back, and we're just like, it couldn't have been any better. Like, Man, God worked that out better than I ever could have. Like, I, I never would have thought of that, or I never would have done that. And, but in the moment, we're like, God, I don't think that's the right thing. Like, hey, God, you know, I'm just saying, I'm here in the middle of it. Maybe take my opinion, you know? And God's like, no, I got it. And I, he does what he does, and then we look back and we say, that was better. That was good. That was just. That was true. He is just and true. We can, we can rest in him, knowing that the work he does in our lives is good, they they praise him for his worthiness. who shall not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? You alone are holy, his worthiness, who shall not fear the Lord? like we read this, and I, I guess in a sense it's, it seems so distant and it seems so strange and weird angels pouring out judgments and all these plagues and different things happening. And when you think about the locusts coming out of the pit and you think about, and we look at these things out of Revelation, we just think, that's just kind of weird. And and, But at the same time, this is true. And God is doing these things and he's working and he's moving us As, as the nations rage. He's moving them to their end and he's saying, this is what it will be. And if we're not careful, we look at it and we, we don't fear. We don't look at God and we don't have the, the right reverence and respect and awe of holy, holy God. We come presumptuous. God, well, if you're real, you're going to make this work. God, if you would just do this. God, if you just show up here, I would have greater faith in you. God, if you just, and we kind of come at him in that vein at times. And here they just say, who is like God? There is no one like him. He is holy. Who will not fear him? Every knee will bow to him. Like we, we at times need to say, is my relationship with the Lord where it should be? Is he in the right position? Or have I kind of bumped him off the throne? <laughs> you, ever, you ever have the small ottoman on, you know that comes with the couch, you know? you have the three-sectional, and you have the ottoman, and the kids like to sit on the ottoman right in front of the TV, you know? And then the other one comes in, they're like, what you watching?" And they bump them off, and then they're right in front, and the next thing you know, you just hear this commotion. You're like, what's going on in there? And you're like, Get I was here, for it. you know, and you come in, and the kids are fighting over who's going to sit right in front of the TV, you know? And then we're like, Get off the altar. That's not a seat. You're going to pull it way back and you do you set it all right. And it's good until you leave. Have we bumped God off of the seat, off of the throne? Have we come running in and we're like, I'm in charge now. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we, we love Jesus and we're following Jesus but then We get things out of whack. We don't keep our perspective where it should be. And we bump God off of the throne and we put ourselves there. Here he says, no, God is worthy. God alone is Lord of our life. God is the one who is exalted. Who will not fear him? And so they worship him for his worthiness. And then they point out the worship he will receive all nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. All nations will come. All will bow. All will praise him, whether it's in judgment or it's in salvation. All will come. All will come. All will come. He will receive glory from his creation. It's, he's worthy. There's nothing that we can say. I don't care how ardent of an atheist you know out there. They will give him glory. He will receive glory. And so they praise him. They're standing there with their harps and they're on the sea of glass. And this is the judgment being poured out. And they're praising him for who he is and what he is doing. These judgments, they're right. And they're just and they're true. We see this in Revelation 16, verse 5. Next week we'll be there, but I just want to point it out here. He says, I heard uh, the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. Notice here again, he doesn't say who is to come because he is here. It's like God is here now. He has come. The judgment is coming. He is ready to descend so the angel says these judgments are just and true they're right they're hard but they're right verses seven and eight we have the or five and six i'm sorry verses five and six we have the angels. After this, I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened, and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. So these seven angels come out of the heavenly tabernacle, out of the temple, and each one is holding a plague to be poured out on the earth. And in the next chapter, it's going to say that it's also referred to as the bulls of the wrath of God. So the, the bulls that they will receive and in the next uh, verse that we'll read about here in a second, the, the wrath of God full with these plagues. So these angels come out and their clothing, their clothing is magnificent and it's different than other angels. And we see at different times, uh, angels dress differently and that's, that's important to note there's symbolism behind it. There's meaning behind it. So their clothing is a reminder that God's judgment is pure. His judgment is right. Bright linen, golden sashes coming with these plagues. So I want us to like separate for a moment um, the judgment of God from like culture in a, in a way. When we think about things happening in the movies and all that, there's always like someone setting something right. It's like, oh, that was wrong. We need the hero to come in and set it right. And we see all kinds of different heroes in our culture. And what we often see, as I was reflecting on this, is that we often see that these heroes are anti-heroes in a sense that they come and they bring vigilante justice. It's like, you know, the law isn't going to happen. They're not going to get the right trial in court or that evil is too great, so we got to come and we have to do whatever it takes. And they come against what is right and true. They become vigilantes of justice and they, and they come and they, and they save people or they make things right or they make it good. And you look at all of these different heroes that are out there today. I mean, look at Marvel and DC and all the different things. There's so many anti-heroes in that group. They don't work within the law. They work around the law. They're vigilantes. Angels are not vigilantes. They bring perfect justice from a perfect king. They bring what is absolutely right. We don't have to worry about an anti-hero coming to save the day. When these angels show up and the judgments of God comes, it, it is God coming and doing what is right. He is the hero. And so... I don't want us to think of these angels as some kind of heavenly vigilante that just makes things right because the Antichrist has messed everything up so bad with the devil behind him and the false prophet. And so we have these you know, these guys, these angels that come out, and they're like the Wild West, and we're like, we'll make it right. No, they, they come from God. If you want to think Wild West, God is the sheriff, and he is making it right. Verses 7 and 8. It says, and one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So the living creatures come and they give the bowls, to the angels for the plagues and that it's also full of the wrath of God. And this this is what we saw announced by the angel in chapter 14, verses 9 and 10. And another angel, the third, so in the previous chapter, three angels, three announcements. The third announcement a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. So the bowl of God's wrath is handed to the angels who have the plagues, and they're about to pour this out, and those who have the mark are the ones who will be tormented by these judgments. So we see God fulfilling all that he has proclaimed, all that he has announced. Everything is being made right. What stood out to me, though, is the last part, this last verse. Verse. The sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. It's filled with smoke from God's glory, from his power, and it says no one's able to enter until this is done. So there is a moment where there's no reprieve. You can't approach the mercy seat. No one can come in. No one comes before him. The way is shut. He has shut it with his glory. The smoke fills the tabernacle where the mercy seat lies, where the one who brings grace and mercy to those is. He's there and no one can approach him until these judgments are done, which means these will be fulfilled. And in the midst of them being poured out, he is not going to relent, and that is just and right. We, we look at this, and it should give us pause. It's, it's been open. I mean, we, we think about what Christ has done. The, the veil was torn, and through Christ, through his body and through his blood, we now can approach the throne of grace with confidence, not at that moment the prayers of the saints, the 144,000 crying out, watching what God is doing as he's pouring out plagues on humanity and they're seeing that and no doubt they're, they're lamenting and weeping and seeing this and they're saying, oh Lord, have mercy. And he's like, you cannot approach the mercy seat. These will be done. There's no reprieve. It should give us pause. We at this moment We can approach because of Jesus. The door in heaven is open. We see that in a couple of places. John talks about the door open to heaven. Here, the angels come out. It is open. There's there's time in this moment. So we're in this moment of the Lord's favor. Look at Luke 4, 18 through 19. This is Jesus speaking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the moment of his favor. We have opportunity to be reconciled, to preach the gospel to others who they can be reconciled to God. The way is open through Christ, through his blood, they can come, be made new. There will be a moment when he pours out just judgment and he will close the way for a short time. So consider what Jesus is saying in this. He says that we're, we're free to find him, to come, to seek him, to call out to him and be made new, that we can find freedom from sin. Romans 8 Verses 1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In just a moment, when we take the Lord's table together, we're saying it was this life, this death, burial, resurrection. It was the breaking of his body, the shedding of his blood that gave me new life that reconciled me. This is where my sins were forgiven. I have been made new. I have been brought near. I can find salvation, and others can find salvation. We will proclaim the gospel until he returns as we take the Lord's table together. like we, The way is open. The way is open, and and others can come, and we can rejoice in it. We can rejoice that we can come boldly right now with our prayers and petitions, and he hears us but we can find continued freedom. It's not just sin. There's more. There's more freedom in Christ in our transformation being changed. Go back to Luke 4, 18 and 19 again. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, poor in spirit. Those can come. They can be saved. They can be reconciled to set me to proclaim liberty to the captives captive of sin, but captive of other things, even maybe even now. What's one of the things that you hear maybe in some of your, you know, Christian friend circles? Where's that liberty? Where's that joy? Where's the, where's the being set free? Like, yeah, I understand these things, and I receive Jesus, and I have it in my head, and And it's here in my heart, but I'm struggling. It's like, where is freedom? Where is that? Well, Jesus has come to give you that, to give you liberty, to set you free, to to recover sight to the blind. Go to the next slide. To set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, oppressed, to set you free. Not just to save you, but to set you free, to give you joy, to, to, to make you <laughs> full of joy in his presence. Many don't walk in freedom because they shut up their hearts. We receive him, but then we don't want to be hurt, or we don't want to be changed, or we don't, for whatever reason, we, we, we become captive. We shut up our hearts. We, we blind ourselves. Some of it's our doing. Some of it's things that have been done to us as we've been sinned against or whatever. But we become closed. We don't want to be hurt. We insulate. Yes, the Lord has saved me and I will rejoice in that. But I'm not walking in liberty and freedom. But that's okay. One day, he'll wipe away those tears. He has liberty and freedom for you today. The way is open. way is open. You can come and you can bring those those things. Why do we have a prayer team? Because we want to pray for you so you would be set free, that you would have liberty and freedom, that you're not walking in oppression. So Psalm 24, verses 7 and 8. I love this. Every time I read it, I hear my kids singing it because they had to sing it on a Sunday uh, evening in front of the church when they were little. And uh, they weren't as happy as the psalmist. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it says this, Lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Listen, I feel like many of us are like ancient cities. Yeah, I'm a dwelling place of the Lord. He is my king. He is over all things. I am this city, and the Lord is my king. But my gates are shut. My doors are sheltered. I do not have him in. Lift up your gates, throw those things off, open the doors, let the king of glory come in and bring transformation, bring healing, bring new life. Lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, so the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty and battle. I don't know if I can overcome it. You don't have to. He does. He's the one in the battle. He's the one who returns and makes all things new. Remember, right, we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, the white horse, Jesus returned. He has an army behind him, and the army does nothing. They just come with him. They're They're worshiping as they come, probably. They're just... Yes, here is the king, and he will make all things right. His sword comes from his mouth. He lays low everything that is set up against him. He comes into the life of his children and lays low those things that set themselves up. If you will open up the gates and open up your, your doors, the king of glory will come in, and he will do that transforming work. We have to confess those things and open up, and we have to say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Verse 5 of this psalm says this, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. I haven't seen God work in my life. Have you opened the gates? Have you opened the doors? Because he'll come in and you'll receive blessing. You will receive blessing. He will change you. He will transform things. You're Your thoughts will conform to his thoughts. You'll be thinking God's thoughts after him. The way you see the world will be as he sees it. The way you love will be the way he loves. He will start changing you and transforming you, setting you free. We see great judgment, but today is the day of the Lord's favor. So we're going to come and we're going to celebrate the Lord's table, what he has done for us. And as you come, My ask of you is this, that you would come opening up your gate, opening up your door of your heart and saying, Jesus, come in. Here is where I need to be changed. Here is where I need you. Bring the blessing. Bring the blessing of transformation so I can walk in newness of life, that I can be set free from these things. And then come and not just celebrate the salvation he gives you, that there's no condemnation, but celebrate that he is the God of your salvation, and he is the one who will make you new. Will you stand and pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this passage. We see that it is running, in the book of Revelation, we're running quickly to the end of things, and you're making things new and right you are holy and just, but in this moment right now, we, your people, have an opportunity to come and worship at the Lord's table, at your table, celebrating that your body was broken for us, your blood was shed for us, that we are made new, and not just made new, but that you release the captives, you give sight to the blind, that you, that you bind up the broken. You bring blessing when we open the gates. So as we silently pray and then come corporately to partake of the Lord's table, God, we ask that you would do a good work in us. And those of us who have been held too long in oppression and in sin and under bondage of some sort, whatever that may be, I pray today, Lord, that you would break them free and that as they take the Lord's table, they would just be full of your spirit and full of joy as they worship you the God of their salvation. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.